Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Aren't you thankful for a heavenly Savior? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's pause just a moment here and thank God for His amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for saving me. Amen. Amen. It's good to see you this morning in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I welcome all of our guests here. Amen. Church family, we've already done it once, but can we do it again? Can we thank our guests for being with us today? Amen. 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 I'm excited about what God is doing in our church. Amen. Um, it's, it's, it's one thing to be thankful for the grace of God. It's another thing to admit that where would I be without the grace of God? And a big part of why we are here today is not just that the grace of God found us, but a child of God found us. Aren't you thankful that somebody ministered to you, that somebody invited you to church? Maybe you were born in church, but someone in your family was the first generation saint in your family. And I am thankful this morning that somebody brought my family to church long before I was even here, long before I was even dreamed of. There was someone witnessing to my family. And right now the ushers are going to begin passing out a little tool to where you can begin witnessing to people in our community, amen. This morning you are getting four invite cards that you need to pass out. Uh, I'm, I, I'm asking you in the kindest way, with the biggest grin that I have, I'm asking you to kindly invite four people to church this week. Can you help me do this, amen? Invite four people to church, amen? For the grace of God saves us, but sometimes the grace of God doesn't reach us without the arm of a brother or of a sister. And I want my church to grow. Can I get an amen? I want my church to grow. I want my church to flourish. And if my church is going to grow and flourish, it's because I am bringing people to the house of the Lord. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 32 says this, I have not come to call the righteous, but I have called, I have called sinners to repentance. Because I'm just reading a small verse, I'll read it twice for us this morning. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You may be seated this morning. I want to talk to you about this little thought that I've had for a few days now. Good people need saved too. Good people need saved just like bad people. I mean, we testify a lot, and there's, a, and there's so many of you here that you were bad people before uh, 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 before God saved you. And I'm thankful that God saved you. I'm thankful that God has delivered you from all that he has delivered you from. I'm thankful that he has erased your past. I am so thankful for that. I'm thankful that he's done that for me, amen. But not everybody who needs saved is addicted to drugs. Not everybody who needs saved is addicted to alcohol. Not everybody who needs saved has their marriage in trouble. Not everybody who needs saved is in need of employment. There are good people whose lives are put together who live good moral lives that still 
need to be saved. The fact is, in 2019, everybody is a Christian. Very few, very few people. I don't know any people who are not Christians. I, I, I know very few people. I know a couple people who have friends who are atheists or agnostic, but I don't know, I don't personally know people who do not label themselves or identify as Christians. Now, that does not mean they are true biblical Christians, but by and large, in 2019, everybody is a Christian. Amen. Just everybody is saved today. I was talking Friday night with a couple of minister friends of mine. We were sharing ideas around a dinner table about some stuff that we're doing in our churches. And it was just an iron sharpen iron conversation. And I made this remark so many times we have to get people unsaved before we can get them saved. Because they already think that they are saved because they are living good life. I know this sounds oxymoronic, uh, but so many people confuse having relatively good morals uh, with being saved. I'm thankful that not everybody has bad morals, uh, but just because you have good morals, just because you say the Pledge of Allegiance and stand when you hear the Star Spangled Banner and you pray before you eat your food, uh, that does not equal salvation. There seems to be an unwritten code in American culture in today's time that if you live a good life, if you go to church, and if you don't do anything bad, you are saved. And and granted, I'm not belittling the fact that there are people doing good. I'm not trying to make them out to be horrible people because they are not, uh, because such were some of us, but we were washed, uh, we were saved by the blood of the Lamb. But just because you consider yourself a Christian does not mean you have followed the plan of salvation outlined to us in the book uh, of Acts. However, living good uh, does not equal salvation. Salvation is not based upon our merit. There's nothing I can do. There's no prayer before my meal that that I can pray long enough and consistently enough uh, that will get me saved. There's nothing that I can do on my own. There's a difference in cultural morality and biblical salvation. A lot of people today, once again, I'm not not casting stones. I'm not preaching a negative message today. Please understand me. But a lot of people today confuse good cultural cultural morality for biblical salvation and there is a difference i want everybody to go to heaven and the only way that everybody gets to go to heaven is to not have good morals according to the culture of 2019 in the united states in which we live but the only way to go to heaven is to follow the plan of salvation outlined for everybody who has ever lived everybody who is alive today and perhaps everyone who will live in the future. We must all follow the plan of salvation outlined in the New Testament. The same plan of salvation that it took the New Testament church to get saved is the same plan of salvation that takes me today in 2019 to get saved but also to stay saved. Many try to blur the lines of biblical Christianity and cultural Christianity. Cultural morality or cultural Christianity. I'll use these two phrases um, um, as one and the same this morning. In fact, it can oftentimes be confusing. It can oftentimes be confusing of who is really saved and who 
thinks they're saved because uh, they do good. Many people talk in Christianese. Uh, oh, you ask them how they're doing. I'm blessed to the Lord, highly favored of God. How are you doing today, brother? We have our jargon. Uh, we have our Christianese, and we even have our Pentecostal ease. We have our own little jargon and language that we speak. But just because we say the right things and do the right things does not mean we are righteous. Amen. Dean and Sarah said this in an article that I read this week. Cultural Christianity is the most underrated and overlooked mission field in North America. Yes, we need to be striving and reaching like never before for the oppressed, for the addicted, for the downtrodden, for, for all of these people who are living terribly sinful lives and will admit to living a, a sinful life. We should never stop reaching for the worst and for the least of these. For Jesus said, for what you do to the least of these, you do unto me. We should never, ever stop our dedication to a bus route. We should never stop our dedication and our belief that in an instant moment at this altar or anywhere else, that God can deliver someone from nicotine, that God can deliver someone from alcohol, that God can deliver someone from being bound by crazy thoughts and depressions or sickness and disease in their body. Cultural Christianity is the most underrated, overlooked mission field in America. So while we need to reach for the worst of the worst, we do not need to overlook our next door neighbors who go to church a few times a year and they have a good family and they are faithful to their families and they are faithful to their jobs and they do give to hurricane relief and they do give in the offering when they do come to church. We must not overlook them either for the same grace of God that saves the convict. The same grace of God that saves the drug addict is the same grace of God that saves the person living in the middle income of America, living a good life, working a good job, and paying their bills, being a good citizen. God died for good citizens and bad citizens alike. The grace of God is for everybody and good people need saved too. This past Saturday, not yesterday, but Saturday a week ago, uh, I was excited to learn that there was a team of people from this church uh, who went out on outreach and they went to the worst areas of this town uh, and they were reaching and witnessing and there are people today who, who, who came last week and also this week on our buses as an effort, uh, as a result of last week's outreach. Uh, we need to never quit striving for that. I'm here to tell you right now, bus ministry is still important. It's still important that we bring people to church who cannot bring themselves. That is a vital part of the culture of our church, but much more than the culture of Conroe United Pentecostal Church. It's important because Jesus instructed us to do so, but we should also love our neighbors who live next to us, who work in the cubicle next to us, who drive next to us, and sit next to us in traffic and at the same red lights as we travel to and fro living our life. Matthew chapter 7 and 21, Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name and done many wonderful works in your name. And then I will declare unto them, I, 
I never knew you. This is Jesus speaking. Depart from me, you practice or you worker of lawlessness or worker of iniquity. Imagine if Jesus were speaking the same verse to us, uh, to, uh, to, to Americans in 2019. I think it might sound a little bit like this. Didn't didn't we say grace before dinner? If this verse uh, was translated to 2019, didn't we say grace uh, before dinner? Didn't we vote our values? Uh, didn't we believe prayer should be allowed in schools? Uh, didn't we go to church when we were able to? Didn't we believe in God? Uh, didn't we get misty-eyed and our eyes filled with tears uh, whenever we heard God bless America at the, at, the, at the community events that we were a part of? Didn't we give money to the church. Uh, didn't we own Bibles and in fact read our Bibles and teach our children uh, the Bible stories that are so famous for our children to learn and know? Didn't we get uh, our baby christened or dedicated when they were just infants? Didn't we do all of this? These are things that we do in North America just because it's our culture, just because uh, it's what we're supposed to do. Didn't we want America returned back uh, to its Christian roots? Didn't we want prayer back in school? Didn't we stay married and weren't we faithful to our spouses? Uh, this is all good things. These are all things that Christians, uh, the biblical Christians uh, must uh, do. But the sad reality is that there are many who profess uh, the name of Jesus Christ uh, without actually knowing uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, saying I am a Christian does not make me a Christian. What makes me a Christian is his blood uh, being applied to our lives like we preached about uh, last Sunday morning. I can say I am a Christian all day long, but it does not make me a Christian. We live in a day where we like to identify ourselves uh, and we expect, or people in cultures today, expect people to address them with how they identify with, uh, regardless of what biology says, regardless uh, of what our eyes are telling us. Uh, just, because, uh, just because I say I'm a Christian does not mean I am a Christian, amen? Just because uh, you feel like a woman or a man does not make you a woman or a man. What makes you that uh, is the biology. What makes you that is the way, uh, is how God forms you in uh, your mother's womb. We don't walk by our feelings. Uh, we walk by faith and not uh, by sight. It's not enough to say I'm a Christian, uh, but I must be born again of the water and of the Spirit, like Jesus told uh, Nicodemus. Except a man be born again, he cannot uh, enter into the kingdom of heaven. And how are we born again? Uh, we must repent of our sins. Uh, we must be baptized in the name of Jesus. Uh, and then the evidence of the Holy Spirit living in our life is when we speak in an unknown language. Language. That is not weird. That is not crazy, contrary to what culture wants us to feel and how they paint us uh, in pop culture. It might be weird to sinners, uh, but it is right. It is the right uh, thing to do. And those of us who have been saved, uh, baptized in the name of Jesus, and experience uh, the wonderful miracle of Jesus washing away all of our sins and experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we can stand and say, it, it might look weird, uh, but it doesn't feel weird. It feels uh, right. You might can make fun of me, but you can't take uh, away my experience. Uh, you might can think something, uh, but you can't change uh, my heart. You can't change my life uh, like the blood of Jesus Christ has changed uh, 
my life. Believing that our good deeds equal salvation is believing in a false gospel. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of what I do, not of what I think, not of what I profess and say with my mouth. It is the goodness of God, lest any man should boast. It is only by the grace of Jesus that I can stand here before you today and preach about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's only by the grace of God that you are even ha- that you even have breath in your body to where you can hear the gospel that is being preached today. So the challenge that we face in 2019 is this. The hardest part about reaching cultural Christians, not true biblical Christians, but people who say they're Christians just because they say it. The hardest part about reaching these people is that they don't think they need Jesus. They think because they do good, they will go to heaven. But that contradicts Paul's words that I just read to us in Ephesians chapter 2. Our challenge is bringing Jesus to people who admire him but do not worship him. The challenge with us taking the gospel of of the good news of Jesus Christ to good people, not bad people, good people, is for them to realize that just because they are good, they still need to be saved. It's easy to preach the gospel to someone who professes that they are terrible. It's easy to preach the gospel to someone who is living a life who they know and they say is contrary to the word of God. But it's much more difficult to to preach the gospel or teach the gospel or have a conversation regarding uh, 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 regarding uh, the gospel to people who think they are saved because they are living a good life. Does that not sound like American culture today in which we live? Listen, I'm not here to beat up on culture. I, I'm not here to beat up people who have this uh, mentality for I can never win people who I demonize. I, I will never be able to sit down and have a conversation with someone who thinks they are my enemy. These people are not the enemy of the church. They are who the church needs. They are who the church should be built upon. For such were some of us, but we were washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Why don't you just lift your hands or put your hands together and just thank God that he found you and he saved you. You may have been good, you may have been bad, but his grace was applied to your life. You were living a right life, but once you got saved, you started living a righteous life. Amen. Amen. Uh, So our challenge is bringing bringing the gospel to people who admire him but will not worship him. Most of American society believes in God. Most of American society believes in heaven. They believe in the Bible. They believe in the infallible word of the Lord. They believe the, uh, 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 They believe Scripture is God-breathed and God-ordained. But also, uh, 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 but also they place a stronger emphasis on their good works. Church from me, I know I'm being repetitive this morning, but it takes more than our works to get saved. It's only by the work of Calvary that we are saved. It's only by the work of Jesus Christ that I am saved and you are saved this morning. The honest truth is this. Baptism without repentance and the infilling of the Holy Spirit is just getting wet. 
You can get baptized, but if you have not repented of your sins, your sins are not washed away. For how can God wash away your sins that you are not willing to admit are sins? I haven't come to be rude. I haven't come to be confrontational this morning, but I have come against the the spirit of this day, not the people of this day, not the people of this city, but the spirit of this day that wants us to believe a lie that just because I'm baptized and, and I go into baptistry, I'm saved. Noah, we must repent. Acts chapter 2 starts with repentance. Therefore, the plan of salvation begins when I repent. I am not saved at repentance. I am not saved when I believe. Scripture says that even the demons believe and they tremble. So just because I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord does not change my heart. That just means I I, I identify the same thing that even Even the devils believe, but I must repent. I must believe that he is Lord of all. I must be baptized in the name of Jesus and then be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look, listen to me this morning, church family. The gift of tongues, there is such thing as the gift of tongues and interpretation. But don't confuse that with salvation. Speaking in other tongues is biblical. It is the mandate of Acts chapter 2. It is not an idea of man. It is the philosophy. It is the plan of salvation from God to mankind. Does anybody believe that here this morning? So baptism without repentance is not good. It's a good act. It's a good act. But so is staying faithful to your wife a good act. So is not being abusive to your children a good act. And let me stop and say, if you see my kid this morning with a black swollen eye and scrapes on his face, I I did not abuse him. His mother did not drop, kick him like a football. He ran into a concrete wall like a psycho. So just pray for him. I I just felt in 2019, I felt like I needed to clarify that. Lest any man be confused. Amen. And and let me go a step further, not just baptism, but people think because they receive communion and and we partake in communion that that doing good things like this, that we are saved. But partaking in communion without searching ourselves and asking God to cleanse us and forgive us is spiritually dangerous. It's dangerous. Just because I drink of the cup, just because I eat the bread that represents the life of Jesus Christ, if I do that without repentance and searching my soul and my heart, that is a very very dangerous thing. I was talking with Grammy and Popsy about this several months ago. I don't know if y'all remember that conversation, and that came back to me this week when I was preparing these thoughts. These things that I've mentioned are good things. They are right things. They are things that Jesus has instructed all of us to do, but we must do them in the manner that he instructed us to do them. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, you are guilty of crucifying him. But let a man examine himself. Everybody say examine himself. That's why when we take communion, we make it a very somber moment. We, uh, uh, we bring all the music down. We gather everybody 
tight-knit and family units because it's a very holy and a very sacred moment. It's not something we do just a couple times a year just to check the box of being a Christian, but it is a very sacred thing, but we must do it with the right heart. We must do it with a pure heart or we put our souls in danger. This isn't taught about a lot, but it's very important that we know what Scripture says regarding baptism and regarding communion. Luke 24, 47 says this, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. This morning I've come to tell you and I've come to encourage you that as you bring your friends to church, as you invite people to church, as our church grows, we will never grow larger. We can grow huge in number, but if we are not growing in conversions, if we are not growing in people repenting, if we are not growing in people being baptized and being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, we are wasting our times. I'm not trying to fill up this church. Pastor's not trying to fill up this church. We are trying to empty heaven. Excuse me, we are trying to empty hell and populate heaven. It is a big difference. Look, I want this church to be packed, but I don't want it to be packed so our egos can be stroked, so we can post some good pictures on the website and on social media. That is wrong, that is prideful, that is arrogant, that is the same pride that Pharisees have. I don't want church growth for the sake of church growth. I don't want church growth for the sake of meeting our budgets. I want church growth for the sake of names being entered into the Lamb's book of life. I want church growth because people are saying, I am sorry for what I have done. Lord, forgive me of every big thing and every small wrong thing that I have done. Whether I am a murderer, whether I have committed serious crimes, or whether I have told the smallest white lie. Lord, I need your blood. I need your mercy. I am a sinner in need of salvation. On my best day, doing my best effort, I will fall short for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't say bad people. It says all people have fallen short of the glory of God. But we have an advocate with the Father for when we do sin, Jesus Christ is there for us. We have an advocate. We have his blood. We have, we have the blood of Jesus Christ that will cover a multitude of sins. This is why Pastor and I preach nearly every Sunday when we get before you that this is a church where nobody has a past, but everybody has a future. Oh, we're not talking about our carnal minds. We're talking about, look, you may have done some bad things. You may have done some wrong things that uh, that people will talk about, but in this church, we won't talk about your past. In this church, we don't care what you did or where you came from, what color your skin is, how poor, how rich, how distinguished, how educated, how uneducated or un distinguish you are. We will love you. Why? Because God loved you. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, come on, somebody. This is the gospel. This is the purpose of the church. This is why we gather on Sunday morning. This is why we bring our friends. This is why we minister to our neighbors and 
our co-workers. Doing spiritual things is not a rite of passage. Here you all say it like this. Uh, doing right things, R-I-G-H-T, is not a rite, R-I-T-E, of passage in to heaven. Uh, doing right things does not get me a free pass uh, to heaven. Uh, just because I'm a good person doesn't mean that my name is in the Lamb's uh, book of, la- uh, of life. Acts 17 says this, truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, uh, but now commands all men everywhere to what? To repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. I don't want to be living right judged by righteousness. I want to be living righteous on the day of righteous judgment. Living right is good. It's noble. I commend you for it. I commend the city for it. I commend every person who's trying to do good on their own accord. I celebrate that. That is positive. We need more of that, but much more than people trying to do good and be good citizens. We need people trying to be citizens of heaven. I want to do unto my neighbors I would have them do unto me here on earth. But listen, I'm not trying to live my life so I can live a good life here on earth. I'm just trying to navigate the short pathway of time that I am here on this earth. So when I get to heaven, I will not go up and take a U-turn at judgment, but I will walk beyond the pearly gates. I will see the backside of pearly gates. I will walk on streets of gold that are so pure you can see through them. I'm trying to go to heaven and I'm trying to take you with me. I'm trying to take my neighbors with me. Church family, it's about heaven or it's about nothing. It's about righteousness or it's about nothing. We must be pleasing unto God. So let's talk for just a moment about right versus righteousness. During Jesus' time on earth, the chief priests, scribes, and the Pharisees were all very learned about the Hebrew Bible or the law. They knew what they should be doing, and yet they were unrighteous. The people who knew what they were supposed to do, and they followed it to a T. They did right, but they were not righteous. They were unrighteous. Today, cultural Christians reject pride. We don't like prideful people, right? I mean, I mean, saints in the church and then cultural Christians who think they're going to heaven because uh, they do good. Well, we don't like pride. We don't like Pharisees. Uh, we don't like all of this. But the thing about pride is it is a two-way street. Uh, 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 it, it is a two-way street. So today, cultural Christians or 2019 North Americans, uh, we reject the approach of the Pharisees, uh, but oftentimes we possess the same pride as uh, the Pharisees and thinking that right living is equal to righteous living, thinking that just because I'm doing good, I am going to heaven. It is the same spirit of pride that thinks because of who I am and what I do, I please God. Look, I can never please God by what I do on my own merit, but the only way I please God is when I walk by faith and not by sight. When I put the old man behind me and I say, God, I can no longer live like this, but I need to do a 180 degree turn in my life and quit living for myself and live for you, Jesus. That's good preaching, even though it's quiet this morning. God wants us to admit, he wants us to admit that he knows better than I do. 
We can never repent. We can never truthfully ask God to forgive us without first admitting that God's ways are better than my ways. That's what repentance is. I've lived my life all these years, all this time, a long time or a short time. I've lived my own way, and I can't do it anymore. I need you to forgive me for all the mess-ups that I've made, whether great or small. Lord, and I now live for you. Matthew 6 says this, but seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his rightness, no, and his righteousness. And all of these things, what things? Joy, peace, happiness, contentment. Isn't that things that the world needs today? Oh, we need it more than ever before. We live in a great area. I was doing research this week on, I'm, I'm always doing research on the growth of this area and what's happening in our community. And I'm thankful for the good community that we live in. I'm thankful for a safe community that we live in. But this good, safe community needs to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm telling you this morning that good people need saved too. Look at your neighbor and say, you need saved too. That's it. Some of you just talked for your, to your spouse uh, for the first time this morning. That's it. That's it. Striving to live right is noble. Striving to do these things are good. Please don't understand what I'm saying this morning. But seeking the kingdom of God and all his righteousness is much more noble. Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness will lead to a lifestyle of righteousness. Church family, I want to be righteous. I don't want to be haughty. I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be righteous so I can tell you how righteous I am. I want to be righteous so I can be pleasing unto God. This is what it's about, church family. What does, a pro what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What does it profit a man to do every good thing that he can possibly do but never have repented of his sins, never have admitted that he is a sinner in need of a Savior and been baptized in the lovely name of Jesus and been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? So in closing today, how do I reach good people? You're telling me that i got to reach them. How do I reach them? Well, this is the challenge. Because a lot of times, good people don't think they need saved. So what's the first thing I do? Number one, go to God. Go to God. Just that, let's just pause, just not in this sermon, but everything. The first thing I ought to do is go to God. Pray first. Uh, gossip later. Actually, gossip never. Let me, let me rewind the record on that one. Amen. Let me delete that email on that one. Gossip never. But let me pray first. Let me pray first. 
before I get upset, before I go to counseling, even though we need to go to counseling, uh, before I go talk to a professional, even though there's oftentimes we need to seek professional help with the affairs in our life, uh, we ought to find our prayer closet and get on our face and say, God, uh, what would you have me to do in this situation? And then take it a step beyond that. God, what are you teaching me in this victory? God, what can I take away from this trial? God, how can I be humble? Lord, uh, let me be a person of humility. Lord, as I witness uh, to good people, never let me beat them down and tell them uh, that they are just the worst people because they are believing a lie. No, uh, never let me do that, but let me preach the truth uh, of Jesus Christ uh, in love. Uh, We can never win a culture who we demonize. Uh, We can never win a culture who we say they are terrible to their face. Oh, we may think uh, that there's chaos in the world and we can have our opinions. Uh, I'm not telling you to not have your opinions, uh, but I am telling you that your opinions ought to be shaped uh, through a prayer life. Uh, Your opinions ought to be shaped uh, by the grace of Jesus Christ, recognizing that sinners uh, can only sin uh, unless they experience the grace of Jesus Christ. So the first step in reaching good people is to go to the Lord in prayer. Secondly, it's to draw people close. Draw people close. Draw. I don't care how good they are or how bad they are. If you're trying to witness them, draw them close. Well, I'm going to get criticized. Who cares? I would, get, I would rather be criticized for running to people who need God than criticized for running away from people who need God. Look, in, 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 my, in my line of work, I'm going to be criticized no matter what. I can't win no matter what I want to. So I choose what I'm going to be criticized. When somebody comes to me and offers criticism or I hear criticism, it's not a surprise to me. I chose for you to criticize me in that area a lot of times. Amen. But I want to be known for running to people who are in trouble, drawing them close, drawing them close. A few years ago, we went through a lot of things as a family, and I'm so glad now that I'm a parent, I can look back and I, and I celebrate the fact of how my parents drew my sister and I up so close to them in the middle of all the chaos and the middle of everything that was going on. That said, I'm going to protect my babies no matter what happens, no matter what they do, no matter what they don't do. I, I'm going to draw them up close. Look, if you if you have family that needs God, if you have family that has embarrassed you, uh, don't shun them from the house of God. Uh, bring them to the house of God. Uh, well, you might see them on the news. Uh, who cares? Uh, I want to see them in heaven. Uh, I want to see their name in the Lamb's book of life. Don't tell people they got to get good before they get God. They can't get good enough to get God. They need God to get good. They need the Holy Spirit in their life so that they can get the things of this world out of their life. No matter what your children are going to, going through, draw them up close. No matter how bad they embarrass you, draw them up close. You will never regret showing the love of Jesus Christ to anybody. I have never regretted turning the other cheek. Oh, it might not have been easy, but it was the right thing to do. And the thing about drawing people close is the measure in which we meet people with mercy will be the measure in which mercy is poured back out to us. 
Because we might have it all together right now, but in a day or two, guess what? I'm going to have some problems. And if I'm criticizing people today, guess what? When I'm in need of a graceful hand outstretched to me, I want to conduct my life right now as if I was that one needing a graceful hand. I will reach for anybody. I will love everybody. I've just made up in my mind that I will not be a racist. My kids will not hear certain words and certain phrases come out of my mouth. They will not hear it. Why? Because they know that their daddy loves everybody. We already have these conversations in our family. Last week, my seven-year-old came to me asking me questions about this because he goes to a very multicultural school and I was able to sit down and have this conversation with him. I'm going to make sure that as for me and my house, we will meet people with mercy. We will meet people with grace. We will love everybody. So the first thing I do to reach good people is I go to God. The second thing is I draw them close. And then I invite them to church. I develop a relationship with them before I invite them to church. Because long before somebody believes the message, they want to feel loved by people who believe the message. I want people to know that I love them before I ever try to convert them, before I ever try to have a conversation with them about the mercy of God and the goodness of God and their need of a Savior in their life. So we invite them to church. Church family, I don't care who your neighbor is. I don't care who your friend is. I don't care what they have done. Invite them to church. Invite them to church. There ought to be a stronger amen with that. We ought to be inviting our friends and our neighbors to the house of God. Number five, this might be a given, but I just threw this in here just in case. Let your faith be on display. Look, I know we live in Metro Houston. I know traffic is crazy. I know it is. But let your faith be on display, not your hand gestures. (laughs) Come on, somebody. That's not real deep and theological, but it sure will help a church grow. I told somebody the other day, I was eating dinner with a friend of mine from Louisiana, which he knew this, but he's from a smaller town, and I told him, look, you better not honk your horn at people here in Houston because they, they're not going to honk back. Everybody here has a gun. They're going to pull the gun out on you. So just, I know you're a pastor, but still drive like you're a pastor too. Don't just preach like it, live like it. Lastly, Believe that God can save anybody. Newsflash, he can. He can save anybody. He can save not just anybody. He can save everybody. He can save your whole family. It's not his will that they should perish. It's his will that they should live an everlasting life. They should live a life of abundance. They should, I'm not talking finances. I'm talking an abundance of peace. I'm talking an abundance of healthy relationships. This is what people need in their life. Stand with me this morning. Amen. At some point, you're going to get the opportunity to have a conversation with a good person doing good things and you're going to get to tell them about the gospel 
you're going to get to tell them. I believe it. But make sure that before you have that conversation, that you're living a life, that when you have that conversation, they will be so ready. They will say, I wish you would have. I've been hoping. I, I've been praying. I, I'm so glad you're having this conversation with me today. There's two more things that you need to do that are not on the list just because they're general. And to pray for revelation. Pray that you don't, look, I, I tell people all the time, I'm not going to debate you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a debater. I'm not. Oh, look, uh, me and Pastor Caleb, we can have some good debates, if you know what I mean. We are good debaters. We have mastered the art. We, we have mastered the art. When we disagree, we can have us a debate, if you know what I mean. I'm trying to be Christian here today. But I don't want to debate, because if I debate, I run the risk of offense. And I know that Scripture says offenses will come. I understand that. We will all be offended but I would never want someone I'm trying to reach to be offended by, by a way or in a way that I'm trying to reach them. So pray for revelation. Debate will never change hearts and never change minds. How many social media debates have you seen when somebody walked away and said, you know what, they changed my mind. I'm Democrat now. They changed my mind. I'm Republican now. Sister Susie did it. It, it. it was all, she, she said the right thing. No, debating never changes anything. It makes us stand stronger where we're at. But revelation changes us. Revelation opens. Revelation brings to light the fact that there is a void inside of me that no good work could ever fill, that only God can fill. So pray for revelation that they see the need that they need to repent, that, that they need to be baptized in Jesus' name, that they need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Gather with me this morning around the front. Guests, if you're here, I invite you around the front. Nobody's going to rub you up. Nobody's going to make you holy roll. Nobody's going to make you do anything crazy this morning. But if you're comfortable, I invite you around the front. Because we believe that when we walk around the front, it's just a symbol of my faith. It, it, it's just an outward expression of saying, God, I need you to work in my life. Amen. If you're not comfortable, I understand and I respect that. Lastly, why we gather around the front is because I want us to pray for revival. Can you say that word? Revival. 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 What this city needs is not a good message. What this city needs is not a good church. What this city needs is not programs. What this city needs is not anything we can do by ourselves. What this city needs is to be shaken at the core, to realize that I must have Jesus. I must be saved. I must be saved. We need to be shaken at our core. And this is why. Is there any reason that the book of Acts said you will be witnesses? After you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it says you shall be witnesses. Where? To Jerusalem, Judea. In other words, to your friends, to the people who used to believe like you, to the other Jews. But then it goes on to say to the uttermost parts of the world, the earth, the people who don't think and don't believe like you. 
church family, I want everybody to be saved. And can we pray this morning? If you're here and, and you haven't repented of your sins, you can repent of your sins this morning. You can ask God to forgive you of anything and everything you've done wrong. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, as the scripture has said, we can baptize you this morning. We can baptize you tonight. Or if you are saved today, why don't you lift your voice and lift your hands and let's go to the Lord and ask God to give us wisdom as we reach for more souls. That's it. Come on, somebody lift your voice with me. Oh, God. God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I need you, Jesus. I got to have you, oh God. Move in my life, God. Forgive me of everything I've ever done, oh God. Forgive me, Jesus. Make me pure. Make me holy. I can't do it by myself, but I got to have you, Jesus. That's it, church. Remember your voice this morning. In the name of Jesus.